the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And Friday, May 20th, 2022. Welcome back. My day just got a lift hearing that new intro. (laughs) You guys may not understand the inside joke there. It's not so inside. We were talking about it on air yesterday. But producer Bill uh, was going off the Carlin uh, School of Linguistics and not saying previously recorded or pre-recorded. He just says portions of the show may have been recorded because (laughs) there is no such thing as recorded later. (laughs) <laughs> or, or pre-recorded is unnecessary, like price point or weather uh, rain event or boarding process or extremely full or complete stop. So good for you, Bill. That took you just did that on your own. I love it. I love it. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Your show today, six zero in that it's open lines Friday six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Some just put a few things together, you know, for years and years and years, the Democratic Party and the left uh, relied on the courts, uh, particularly uh, the federal courts as a super uh, legislature and to achieve ends that they could not uh, get uh, at the uh, ballot box. Uh, if people particularly at, in a state at a, in a propositional level vote or if a state legislature passed a law. Uh, the left would uh, drag him into court, especially if it came, if it dealt with immigration issues or social issues, domestic issues. And uh, the court could find and did often find new rights previously unheard of and uh, new uh, new uh, new legal reasoning previously unimagined to strike down a lot of the will of the voters when there, in fact, was not a direct violation of the Constitution. Certainly not an explicit one with no implicit one divined except in the heads of the uh, federal judges. And this is precisely why the Federalist Society was founded, uh, to redirect the court towards a doctrine of originalism. And it took about a generation for those muscles to ripen or to get to the right point of flexing. We have another federal court today restoring some sanity in America. Um, Not only do we have the Roe versus Wade Dobbs decision, we had a federal court in Florida uh, deal uh, the rightful death blow to the mask mandate on airplanes and other inter- interstate commerce travel. Thank you. And uh, just today, a federal judge in a federal court in Louisiana struck down the ending of the Biden administration's uh, uh, Title 42 process. So a, a bit of sanity is now beginning to come through the courts, and it is precious That's the word I want. It is precious to watch the left turn themselves and the Democratic Party turn themselves inside out now claiming that these courts are illegitimate. Yes, it is all it is all all of it. Every part of it is hypocritical, but that is not the real point. Every part of it is an ends justify the means. They have no sanctity or sanctified view of the norms of democracy. They want to yell about Donald Trump breaking norms. They don't give two hoots about norms. I'll give you a for instance. Again, 
Uh, here's the story about Supreme Court justices who are put in fear of their lives by the protesters on the left since the Dobbs uh, decision, draft decision release. As the nation braces for the potential overturn of Roe versus Wade, sickening threats against the lives of the Supreme Court's conservative justices are visible on social media for all to see, reads the New York Post. And it then quotes, as I did yesterday, a Department of Homeland Security memo issued last week warning of potential violence. That means there is a credible threat that has alerted the Department of Homeland Security to these conservative justices, their lives, their well-being, their physical safety and health. Um, think about that for a moment. Think about, first of all, any other news source you've heard this from, because it seems to me if a political movement is putting in apprehension of life over blackmail by by dint of blackmail, use of blackmail, violent threat blackmail, using violence to threaten judges or federal judges or Supreme Court justices in this case. Overturning the workings of our democratic system, overturning the workings of our legitimate processes of government, what's a good word for that? Using violence to overthrow the processes of government. What, what, what word comes to mind? Starts with an I and ends with a shun. Insurrection might come to mind. Insurrection might come to mind. Using political violence to blackmail Supreme Court justices. Yeah. How much are you seeing about that? Very little. Which brings me to a beautiful speech. A sadly beautiful speech. Tragedy uh, that it has to be given but obviously beauty, beautiful in its eloquence. From our dear friend Wilford McClay, he spent uh, an hour with us last week. He is probably, by at least my lights, the best historian, American historian alive today, Wilford McClay. And uh, he wrote a book called The Land of Hope, a great textbook for those that want to introduce themselves or their children to American history without fear or worry of prejudice. He doesn't hide anything. It's not as if, you know, our wrongs, our misdeeds, our crimes uh, are buried. Nope, they're there. But that's not all that's there. Our achievements are there, too. Anyway, Land of Hope is the book. He was given the Bradley Prize last night. Bradley Prize, other recipients uh, you uh, may have heard of. Well, Heather MacDonald, of course, is, I think, someone you've all heard of. It's a prize put out by the Bradley Foundation to journalists and writers and authors who um, do not get the nominations, do not get the awards from the left-wing Pulitzer and Nobel committees. So we started our own, and it's a better prize. It actually comes with a higher financial reward. We do it better. We just did it for ourselves, and we do it better. The Bradley Plot Prize. Wilfred McClay was given it, and he gave a speech last night, and it is beautiful. May I share some of it with you? I'll do my own monologue at the top of the third hour, but let me tell you some of what Mil Mr. Uh, Professor McClay wrote, said last night. At some point during the past few years, I was fortunate enough to have dinner with a very wise friend here in Washington at his favorite seafood restaurant near DuPont Circle. I noted that he seemed to be spending more and more of his time in a certain foreign country. He acknowledged the fact, paused for a moment, and then added the following words. I want to live in a serious country. It may be relevant to point out that the foreign country in question he was talking about is Israel, where seriousness is an existential requirement. 
But it is equally important to point out that the gentleman in question is an American patriot of the highest order, the author of books on the subject, and for him to say such a thing was, for me, a very serious matter. So, have we become an unserious country? I dismissed the idea at first. Millions of good, responsible, ordinary Americans go about their business, raising their families, paying their bills, participating in the life of their communities, building their futures. They don't have time for the insanities that are polarizing our culture. But then I thought again and considered the evidence. Would a serious country have run up a national debt of now almost $30.5 trillion during times of relative peace and prosperity? By the way, boy, think about that. During peace and prosperity, we did this. Wow. Would a serious country have spent that borrowed money feathering its nest with cheap consumer goods and the other markers of material prosperity produced by a ruthless foreign power employing slave labor? Would the leadership class of a serious country become so deeply preoccupied with its internal political wranglings that it fails to see that the rest of the world is watching and taking note, and that the country's enemies in the world are even now calculating the possibilities that its feckless leaders have opened up for them? Would a serious country actively seek to demoralize its police forces? Would it promulgate arbitrary and contradictory policies regarding public health, causing angry divisions in the land and distrust of authority that may take years to heal, if ever? Would a serious country allow a 20-year investment in Afghanistan to go up in smoke and abandon the Afghans who had trusted it in its protection, along with a major air base and $90 billion worth of weaponry, an amount larger than the annual military budget of all but two countries in the world? Would a serious country allow the apparatus by which it elects its leaders to become so corrupted and to fall into such disrepair that its citizenry of both major parties no longer trusts the outcome of our elections? And here is the question that most concerns me. Would a serious country so completely lose perspective on its own past that it would seriously entertain the idea that the nation was founded in and on slavery rather than on the ideals that have made it a beacon to the rest of the world. I'm going to read a little more from Wilford McClay, um, but let's talk about what it means to be a serious country and not a serious country. I'll add, would a serious country attack racism by censoring Dr. Seuss? There's so much to say here. I'd love to hear from you, too. 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind. It's Open Line Fridays. Here's Jay and the Americans. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Are you depending on your investments for your retirement income? Huge market downturns the past few weeks can rob you of your retirement income. The Fed is raising interest rates rapidly, and Wall Street is reacting with huge daily losses. Investments and retirement funds are losing money at a record rate, which is why diversifying your investments with physical gold from the Midas Gold Group could be a very good idea. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail. I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to talk about safeguarding your wealth with physical gold. Don't wait until inflation or recession robs you of your savings or liberal policies damage financial markets even further. Protect yourself and your family. Diversify your investments with the only precious metals group company I use. That's the Midas Gold Group. Visit them at MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000. 
It's gold you can hold. I have some. I have some silver from them, too. Tell them Seth sent you. Mike is in Carefree. Hello, Mike. Hi, Seth. How's your day going? My day, it's a great day. It's a great day. I, I'm a thank God it's Friday and a thank God it's Monday kind of guy. Yeah, I, I just wanted to comment that it seems more and more that the left and, and even some of the people on the right have, have given up on our governmental rule of law process moving more and more to a globalist, feudalistic uh, Bolshevism. Uh, we, if you don't get your way on Roe versus Wade, then we'll terrorize the, the judge, Supreme Court. Uh, if Putin wants his way, he just invades a country. And we're not, we're not taking the difficult route, which is to legislate, compromise, and think about any of the things we're doing. It's just going back to this. If I don't get my way, I'm going to find some non-legal way to, to enforce my 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 will through terrorism and Bolshevik type techniques. You know, one of the interesting I, I was thinking about uh, as you were talking, and I wonder what your thought on it is. As you were talking, you, you used the word "we," and I and I understand how you used it, but for the rest of the audience, you know, we is an interesting word here. Uh, I well recall how January 6th was covered. I was uh, I was covering it was happening in real time as I was rewriting my monologue. I had a monologue prepared. I changed it totally to address what was going on on January 6th. And I was noticing because I, you know, I've been around long enough to know how these games work. I was I was looking for any Republican or conservative thought leader or elected official who was supporting any of that. Moreover, how many of them were denouncing it? The answer is all of them in the second category and no one in the first. Every Republican elected leader or conservative of note denounced it as it was happening, if not the day after. And you know what we have not had? That similar response from the Democratic Party leadership or the president of the United States on targeting Supreme Court justices for voting the way they didn't want, which I believe is an insurrection. I believe it is insurrectionist to threaten violence against Supreme Court justices to blackmail them into giving the appropriate opinion that they desire. That's Bolshevism. I I thoroughly agree. It's... um it's beyond the pale to call January 6th an insurrection with everyone and leave these people without uh, suspending habeas corpus on these people. Whoever, who in America in history was jailed over a year for uh, loitering or trespassing? The only answer I could give you, uh, Mike, the only answer I would give you is I have to double-check my history books, but I believe it did happen in the Palmer Raids under Woodrow Wilson, which is probably not a surprising answer, the president who brought progressivism to the United States of America. Well, he also passed uh, uh, an act which stated it was potentially a death penalty for criticizing his administration. Oh, he did all this sort of thing. He resegregated Washington, D.C. He aired KKK movies in the White House. This is the leader of, you know, the progressive movement when it comes to presidential history and politics in the 20th century. Of course, Mike, but to your point, yes, you're right. Who is who's breaking the norms of democracy, the Constitution and Republican forms of government? Who's breaking those norms? Who is? It's very clear what the answer is. I mean, it's very clear. They do not care about the processes, which is what, if nothing else, 
a constitutional republic does care about most. It's not about who governs. It's about how government is organized. They missed that lesson or they have shredded it. Well, now they're moving more towards globalism, like in in the the medical areas of World Health Organization uh, dominance and uh, being able to subvert the Constitution. I mean, they still got away with passing but not uh, but not ratifying the small arms treaty uh, more and more behind the scenes they're trying to pass these globalist feudalistic uh, laws that would allow oligarchs from all over the world to get together and basically rewrite our constitution well of course and it makes all the sense in the world to me mike that that's what they would do because this constitution won't work for their agenda anymore this constitution is a blocker of means to their ends, as we're seeing over these most recent court decisions that, you know, we're finally flexing our muscles on when it comes to original understandings of the Constitution. So they have to go elsewhere. They have to find other constitutions and other organizations of government. But you said another interesting thing to me that I want to alert our audience to. You're, 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 you're Mike, my physician friend, right? You're the physician up in Carefree who taught Correct. me the word fomite. Um, Mike, yes. I have other physician friends. I grew up in a medical family, so I, you know how the, these things go. You just end up having a lot of friends who are physicians. And um, they are showing me the stuff that's coming out of these medical journals now. And it's at least, at least 45 to 50 percent woke sociology. It's not medicine. It's not research. It's about making the field of med. I mean, it's incredible stuff. I, I, I assume they, you, you know of what I'm speaking. They have rewritten the uh, curricula for medical schools to have an emphasis on wokeism yeah. uh, and, and all of your, your list of political agenda. And, and when, when you, we all know that in medical school, you can only learn a fraction of what you should learn in medical school because the volume. Oh, is that's too great. an interesting point. No one ever connected that dot. Right. That's an interesting point. With everything we need to know about any given set of problems in the field of medicine. Right. 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 It's a it's a hard stretch. Now let's add Harvard's sociology department to it. Right. And, and, and literally a major emphasis, like 10, 20 percent of the curriculum. Well, I'm not surprised looking at these magazines and journals and newsletters that I'm getting where it's, as I say, 40 to 50 percent of the of the of the of the publication uh, to the professional class. It's going to drive it's going to drive medicine into the gutter here and it's going to further, I gather, further uh, stratify. Uh, healthcare delivery services in this country. I think more and more people are going to be pulling their hair out to get to concierge medicine. I, that's what I'm guessing is going to happen. Serious doctors. Just like, in, just like in every socialist country. Pretty much, sir. Uh, as, uh, Pretty as, much. Just yeah. as an aside, I have, uh, I have members of the family that are physicians, uh, uh, husband and wife physician with four children, all of whom have been fully vaccinated to the nines, all of whom currently have COVID. Well, we'll keep a good thought and a prayer for them. Uh, that's another lie of Joe Biden's. If you get the vaccine, you won't get sick. You won't go to the hospital. You're not going to die. Well, I'm glad that uh, they're doing well, Mike. I hope they're doing well. I assume if you're friends with them, they are doing well. But, yeah, that lie can perpetuate itself because it's from the left. It's about the ends, not the means. Mike, bless you, sir. Have a great weekend. Thanks for the call. We'll be right back. Well, this is new. 
for me, for us. That'll get you going. What is that? Lit, my own worst enemy. Oh, early 90s, mid 90s? 98. Late 90s. Objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear. Nice. Okay, we're going to throw that in. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. That's what this is. 602-508-0960. What next? Uh, Yeah, let's go to Rob real quick. Hi, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. And yes, Lit, uh, I'm my own worst enemy, and it's an even better video. Oh, is it? Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. It's it's a classic. They had Um, videos in 1998, did they? There's bowling, dude. There's bowling. Okay. I was just told there was bowling. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were bowling. Good. It, it was a bowling thing, and they all dressed like bowlers, and right. they all had certain mannerisms. Anyway, um, thanks for taking my call, number one. Sure. Happy Friday for number Happy two. Happy Friday. Um, yeah, yesterday uh, you, you were talking a little bit about, um, well, the Joe Biden thing, and I, I thought about, you know, wasn't he supposed to be the great unifier? Yes, he was. Um and, and I think he's sort of unifying, but maybe in a different sort of way or in a way not expected. Um, and wasn't he also supposed to have a theme of build back better? Yes, he was. And is, and is there anything that has been built I, back I, better? I heard a congresswoman from Florida on earlier on one of the uh, interviews uh, on one of the uh, 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 other shows on this network. And she made a point, I think we've talked about a little bit here, she did it very articulately and went through about 15 different items that the president has made worse or have gotten worse on the president's watch and then concluded by saying, I am looking for one single solitary thing that he has made better. One, one, even, even, even this amorphous issue of uniting us. We are not more united. Oh, yeah. No, we're not. And and uh, so, I, again, whether it's a lie or whether it's, uh, you know, the, the whole idea behind ideology versus the quest for power, um, I'm, I'm still wrestling I, with I that. think the leftist concept of unity is different from our concept of unity. I think our – I don't want to speak for you and I don't want to speak for others, but I think our concept of unity – is understanding that we live in a vibrant, uh, a vibrant constitutional republic or democracy where people are going to have differing points of view, and that's why, in fact, we have elections. I mean, what's the point of elections if people didn't have oh, points yeah. of view? I think that's our view of, uh, of, of unity, the idea that we coalesce around the fact that sometimes we govern, sometimes they govern, and we're going to respect each other's individual and fundamental rights. I think their view of unity is much different. Their view of unity is that we are going to be uh, pushed into submission to their point of view or excused off the stage of political dialogue, debate, and respectability. That, that's, that's the difference. Yeah. It's a convert, yeah, it's a convert I, or die mentality for them. Con- once the conversions yeah. have taken place, then they'll have achieved unity. It's a unanimity of the yeah. graveyard, as Robert Jackson put it. Yeah, and they, they uh, probably don't realize, those who may have been quote-unquote converted, that many of them will end up in the graveyard, actually, after uh, anybody like that takes over. Um, I I uh, was thinking about you know you're talking about uh, and I read this earlier about you know we're a uh, w- whether we're a serious country or yeah, not yeah. a serious country yeah I think I think most of the country is serious I think we have very unserious and I use this term very loosely leadership or uh, managers um, and and as an example um, we 
I, I've always obviously been focused on a lot of military things. Sure. Uh, since that, that was my background. Sure. But, you know, we've had, well, DOD reported at the end of 2021, there were like 80 deaths from COVID since it started. 80. Now, every day, roughly 22 veterans commit suicide. 80 deaths from and, COVID in what group was it, Rob? Uh, in in uh, the Department of Defense. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. DOD so, suffered 80 yeah. deaths. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. So, so, yeah, and so each uh, year we lose well, let's see, 22 times 365, I don't know, eight or 900 to suicide. Yep. So, and then, you know, because of the uh, uh, people that are refusing the vaccination, thousands have been forced out for refusing to take the, vet, right. the vaccination. Right. And especially since they're young, for the most part, and the risk is minuscule for getting it. Yep. Um, and, and so here we have a, a case where, you know, over 10 times, if not more, 15 times uh, the rate of COVID deaths versus those who kill themselves yep. uh, without any meaningful attempt. No, we're focusing on all the wrong things, and it's such a sad issue, too, Rob. Gosh, it's so sad. I'm glad you brought it up. You know, we have another weekend till Memorial Day, um, and, you know, we should remember those lives, too. We owe those who, you know, stood up. To defend us, you know, we owe them a lot. We owe them a lot. It's so sad. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I want to tell you about my good friends at Y Refi. If you're looking for a great investment opportunity with a great return for investors, please. Do check out my friends at Y Refi. I'm talking about a fixed, no load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Y Refi is in the business of helping people who are doing their best to dig out a debt the right way, dig out a debt the right way by doing the right thing and paying off their debts and doing so with the dignity, even seeing amazing FICO score recovery. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by really good people who are doing really well helping others, and you can be too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. Again, investyrefi.com. I'm conflicted about a couple things I wanted to share with you, but as long as we're coming off what uh, Rob and Mike called in about, let me go to this one, and I'll return to the Wilfred McClay point in a moment. Uh, if you uh, if you want uh, if you don't have a lot of time and want to stay well informed, relatively well informed, and can only really go to a couple websites or a couple blogs, Powerline blog coming up on their what anniversary twenty bill. Powerline's coming up on 20 years next week, I think. Uh, Powerline blogs certainly. Issues and Insights is the other one. These are uh, the guys that used to be at the Investor's Business Daily, issuesinsights.com. And they ask, why is Joe Biden still president? I sometimes wonder if they listen to this show, to be honest with you. They they might. Uh, The U.S. recently passed the 1 million mark for COVID-19 deaths. To quote Scott Johnson, a grim milestone recognized with the lowering of flags to half-staff around the country. More than 60% of those deaths have come during 
the bungling tenure of President Joe Biden, who said in late October 2020 debate, the final debate with Donald Trump, that the president should be kicked out of the White House because of how many people have died from the virus on his watch. Here's what he said. 220,000 Americans dead. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who's responsible for not taking control, in fact, not saying I'm, I take no responsibility initially, anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. If you hear nothing else, 220 deaths is disqualifying and should not remain, should not remain president of the United States of America with 220,000 COVID deaths on your watch. About three months later, Biden was inaugurated president. By early November 2021, Biden's death toll had exceeded 332,000. The total for his 16 months in office is now 600,000. Even though vaccines have been available throughout his term and effective treatments arrived late last year. Compare these numbers to the Trump presidency, during which ultimately 400,000 people died with or from COVID by the time Joe Biden was inaugurated. Again, that would be before vaccines had been rolled out, and that would have been when it was in the first year of us understanding the virus. It was known as the novel coronavirus back then. No one uses the word novel anymore, and it hasn't been used since Joe Biden was president. Though the Democrats and the press, press ghoulishly held Trump directly responsible for COVID deaths during his last year in office, it's distasteful and careless, we think, to blame Biden for lives lost to the virus while he's been president. There's only so much a White House can do during a pandemic. Fair enough. But it's nevertheless important to point out that Biden not only set a standard that he then should have been required to live by. He also promised the American people that, quote, I will take care of this. I will end this, close quote. It was a lie no one should have believed, a promise impossible to keep. Of course, there are other reasons beyond his COVID death toll that Biden should not, to use his words, remain president of the United States of America. He and his party set the inflation fire and have no idea how to handle rising prices. Hiking taxes on corporations to bring down inflation might qualify, however, as one of the most idiotic proposals to fight runaway inflation ever floated. Biden has been a divider, as Rob was saying, rather than a uniter, siding with radical elements over everyday Americans trying quietly to live their lives. His speech on voting rights at the beginning of this year was a turn I never thought I'd see Joe Biden make, comparing Republicans to Bull Connor and Jefferson Davis, and George Wallace, all of whom were Democrats. The fading Biden, who is little more than a puppet to the somewhat more sentient beings around him, is a threat to national security. The president has left the southern border open for anyone who wants to do harm to the people of this country, but would otherwise be blocked from entry. His abandonment of his obligations to protect the nation's borders has also created a humanitarian crisis. It's also exacerbated a drug crisis. Biden displayed weakness and an uncommon ability to continue to be on the wrong side of international affairs with his disastrous Afghan surrender. Americans did not need to die. Allies did not need to be abandoned. Our flapjaw president has made this country more dependent on other nations for its energy needs and is directly responsible for soaring fuel prices. And never forget 
that Biden has given authoritarianism a boost through his willingness to stand behind the most stringent pandemic restrictions on liberty, has done nothing to relink the supply chain that his policies helped break, and wants to cancel student loan debt, which is both poor economic policy and an offense committed against those who have faithfully paid off their loans or chose a more difficult path to a college degree by working their way through school. Has there ever been a president who has done more harm to the country before his term has even reached the 18th month mark? Not in our lifetimes. Making this tragedy even worse is the replacement, Vice President Kamala Harris. Wow. She would be lousy. Probably worse. It's an ugly storm. But our only choice is to ride through it and hope the damage isn't too bad by the time a Republican Congress beginning in January can begin making repairs. Let's hope. Let's hope. The problems weren't this deep and this bad when Bill Clinton was president and lost the House of Representatives to the New Gingrich Revolution in 1994-1995. But the power of that Republican takeover of Congress did change, did reroute the Clinton administration. Welfare reform was nowhere on the horizon and would not have happened were it not for Republicans taking Congress. Would not have happened. Neither would the tax cuts in the second term of Bill Clinton's office or his confession that he raised taxes too high. Minor problem with Bill Clinton, major solutions. We have major problems right now. We need major solutions again. It's all about November. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm powered, as is this show and our conversation with you, by the good people and product at Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies that you just take it once a day and you are good to go. It is 100% natural, no added anything except fruits and vegetables. Powerful, potent, pure stuff. All the good stuff from gar- from garlic and kale to cayenne peppers. It's, it's a fabulous product. I can't say enough about it. Everyone who's taken it based on my recommendation that has reached back to me loves it as well. And you can be one of them. Balanceofnature.com. Check out their fruits and veggies for boosted immunity, more energy, better health. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Discount code BALANCE. Randy's in Phoenix. Hello, Randy. Seth, how are you? Happy I'm Friday. Happy Friday. Thank you, sir. I uh, I just wanted to thank you for, for what you do. My wife and I had the pleasure of meeting you at an event a couple weeks ago, and uh, the conversation was great, and we enjoyed ourselves. I, part, part, of my, part of my real struggle is we always put labels on people. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm a left. I'm a right. It really comes down to you're a decent person or you're not, and what I fear is we have a big difference in what we describe as a decent person and the democrats have have lost that tag and i think most of us on on the right look at it as you're either a decent person or not but we're playing with different ground rules yeah maybe different ground rules maybe a different dictionary randy this has been a big issue for me i love your construction i think it uh, the first time i read that was in victor frankel's book 
um, that he said there are two races of people in this world, the race of the decent and the race of the indecent. And I love the word decent because it all, it's, it's almost self-defining for those of us that don't use the Wolf's Dictionary, to pray, paraphrase Lincoln. You know, that's the problem. With the corruption of language comes the corruption of man, Ralph Waldo Emerson said. And when you and I talk about the right thing to do, the good thing to do, the evil thing to do, or when the left talks about the good, the right, the evil, the indecent, I don't think we have the same dictionary. Then again, we're not the party and we're not the side that has gone on redefining words. Speech is violence. Gender affirming is gender disaffirming. Black people can be white supremacists. Marching peaceably and patriotically is is uh, insurrectionary um, uh, instigation. I mean, we're not the ones who have done this. They have. So those of us that still think words mean things, hell, if they want an international test on this, I'll give them Confucius. Is that international enough? When words mean, excuse me, when words lose their meaning, people lose their liberty. Thanks for your nice words, Randy, your nice comments. I appreciate that. I'm Seth Liebson. Don't go away. We got a lot more to come. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.